everyone. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, where the deal is already done. <clears throat> and we're on episode, excuse me one second, I'm just always trying to get this up on Instagram real quick. Um, we're on episode 79 of Goals and Updates. We're almost on episode 80, which will be Wednesday, this Wednesday. Um, I try to get these started at 7 now. I'm going to try to do them every Monday and Wednesday, so it's going to be concise and consistent. I got to start working on um, marketing on socials and stuff to get a little bit more traffic. And um, that's what we're going to start working on with goals and updates. I'm going to start trying to build a, a bigger audience and, and get it out there a little bit more. And <clears throat> I try to get it um, where it's literally going to be a podcast on like iTunes or you know put, put the episodes in different places where you can either watch it on video, which would be probably more on um, like YouTube, or you can... Uh, or you can basically go on iTunes and just listen to it or go to like SoundCloud and just listen to the audio if you're like working out or something where you can't physically watch um, the video for an hour. Because the biggest objection or complaint that I've gotten, uh, I think it's more probably of a complaint. People complain that it's an hour. Sometimes I go to an hour, an hour and 15, an hour and 30. And they're like, we just can't watch it for an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> you know, it's not really... The reason I do it for an hour and a half is I'm trying to deliver a lot of content. So it has to be an hour and a half. And at the same time, if you look at other podcasts, you look at very successful people like, uh, um, you know, if you're into like conservative news, like Ben Shapiro, Steven, Steven Crowder, um, it, even if you're into like other things, like Grant Cardone has his own podcast, which is more business related. Um, I don't, you know, you, the Young Turks, if you're, if you're more Democratic or Democrat, uh, there's different and most of the, the, the average length on a podcast is normally from an hour to an hour and a half. Sometimes they go even longer to like two hours. It just really depends on the person and the content that they're trying to, you know, put out there and produce. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear that plane, but it sounds pretty low. But um, so the point is uh, that's I'm going to try to get it on different platforms so, and different formats. So you don't have to just come on Facebook and rewatch it for you know the actual video part. You can listen to it on the go, on the gym, in the car, whatever you want to do. I just have to um, go back and there's 79 episodes now. So I have to do it for 79 episodes and then I have to figure out a, um, a technique to get them as soon as I get them out to put them on iTunes and stuff like that. Uh, which I think it's a process. You got to do like hosting and stuff like that. So I got to, I got to figure it out, looking, you know, do some research on it, but all right. So we're on episode 79 of goals and updates. Now, um, what we do normally, if you're new is I do, um, updates to you guys on my personal life. That's where the, the updates come into place. And they're kind of like my goals that I'm trying to achieve throughout my life. So this way you can see that the stuff I'm telling you, I'm trying to Im imply in my own life or implement into my own life. And uh, you can see that, um, you know, you can see results, you can see other things. But so what I normally do is I do personal updates in my life in the beginning. And then what I also do is uh, two topics. And then we, and then I pitch you done deal investments at the end and what that is. And that's my business. So um, the two topics I have today are going to be, we're going to talk about college and we're going to talk about sometimes failure, failures can lead to an unexpected success. So we'll start off real quick with a personal update. So in my life right now, what's kind of going on is <clears throat> I, I, uh, I have to, I'm going to go pick up, uh, my friend Ashma that normally joins these shows every once, you know, every, almost every single time I would say, uh, right now she's in Alaska with her family and I drove them to airport. And so I'm going to try to pick them back up. Um, I'm in communications with her and I was going to try to 
I'm going to try to pick her up. I'm pretty sure I can do it if they come back at six in the morning. I don't have work till 10. So I'm committed to picking them up. Right. I was like commit I, commitment. I'm pretty sure I talked about in one of the, one of the past episodes of goals and updates, but um, I'm going to go and pick them up at six in the morning at the Fort Lauderdale airport and then drive them home. And then pro- probably work on myself, probably watch some like Cardone, um, Cardone university videos or start doing some sales training when I get back. Cause by the time I get back, I'm gonna have to eat breakfast and it's probably gonna be close to like eight or nine. So I'm probably gonna have to like, by then pretty much probably get an hour of like video content in uh, for training in sales and then probably just have to get ready for work and go to work. So, um, so I'm picking her up. I believe they're going to probably pay me more money. So the point that I, the reason I'm trying to bring that up to you guys is I talk a lot about like selling. I talk a lot about different aspects of, um, like follow up and stuff like that. And the reason I'm that they probably want me to go pick them up is because of the service that I provided for them in the sense of like, I went above and beyond to get them there make sure, you know, I helped them with their luggage. I cleaned the car to make sure the car was clean when they sat in the car. Uh, I pretty much, you know, basically did everything that most um, Uber drivers would not do. And, uh, and like five times more. So they requested me to come back and pick them up and they'll, they'll pay me more money. Um, so that's what I'm, that's, that was all because I went out and, and produced a service for them in the time of need or in the demand that they needed, right? In the timely manner they needed. And I delivered above and beyond. So that's why I was kind of bringing that to uh, the show as an update. Another thing too is I'm learning, I'm learning different skills in uh, my, my full-time job right now at, the, at Cross Country Home Services where um, we have uh, this thing where if, let's say your refrigerator breaks, they call it, you can either, they give you two options normally, like if your refrigerator breaks, they can either replace it. And this is like if, if we have different service providers that come out and they're like, all right, like the refrigerator is done. We can't keep repairing this refrigerator. You're going to have to get a new one and replace the old refrigerator with the new refrigerator. So what they do is they give you two options. Like you can either do what they call a buyout option, a buyout claim option, which is they'll, they'll basically send you money in form of check through the mail uh, for the, the amount of value that they would have covered if you would have got it replaced through cross-country home services. Or what you can do is what they call a repair slash replace option where the, we'll just pay for the, the new refrigerator and we'll just repair it and replace it for you. And we get one of the service providers in our um, in our network to then go and and replace the the new refrigerator for you. So, what I'm learning right now is how to how to see when someone ex- you know they send us an email like all right I'm going to accept the buyout or I'm going to accept the replacement, and then I have to go and send it to the service provider. I have to then make my notes and then I have to set up an exception, which is going to get um, one of our team members to go out and like actually you know push push the approval through. And then um, I have to reply to the customer back and be like, hey, like we received, you know, that you're accepting this buyout credit and give it about X, Y, and Z time frame, And then, you know, someone will reach back out to you. So um, I'm learning that. Now, the reason, because uh, she randomly just came up and she's also, I've also uh, have been doing this thing where we're requesting W9s and invoices from service providers that are not in our network or net yeah network uh where we're gonna basically try to they're gonna they're accepting third-party billing so then they can be added into our network and then from there 
uh, we can then uh, reimburse uh, them directly instead of just reimbursing the customer. And they'll be put into our network. Uh, and if something comes up where someone needs a repair, like we'll go to them to basically service that person on the address if it's close to them. So that's thing that I've been learning. Now, the reason I like, and the funny thing is my manager will come up to me and be like, hey, like, do you want to learn this? And I immediately, I don't hesitate. I go, yes, I want to learn this. Why would I want to learn all these different skills and sets uh, within that company? Because I need to play a factor in becoming a asset to the company. And that's why like, I don't, I don't even hesitate. I just go, yeah, teach me how to do this. I'll learn it. And if you need it, you let me know and I'll do it. I'm trying to become an asset to the company. Now, another reason I want to learn it too is like, let's say something happens where like uh, the one thing I learned gets outsourced and they end up taking that away from our department and they end up bringing it to a different department or they buy a third party vendor that's going to do that for us. I need to be diverse so that way I can adapt in case that job gets outsourced to a different, different area. So I'm thinking about it in two, two, um, two ways. One of it gets my job gets outsourced. Now I have all these other skill sets where I can keep the position I'm in if I have to. If it comes down to uh, only these people that know this skill set are going to stand, these people that got outsourced are going to have to get fired or get let go. I now have other skill sets where I can then stay with the company and like and become a, a real asset to the company. So that's why I'm trying to learn all these skills. Like anything that she's like, hey, like try to learn this, do this. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in. Like you, like you, you tell me when you want to do it, and I'll do it for you. Now, another um, thing too that's kind of interesting at, at this job right now that's going on is I got an invitation. I don't know if it's uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm allowed to attend it or if they messed up and they sent it to me, but I got an invitation for a uh, marketing lunch and learn, and I'm not sure what it is. I'm a and I read like a little bit of the description and it's saying something about how uh, it's with the head person in marketing at Cross Country Home Services. And he's going to go, um, there's going to be a lunch for a certain amount, you know, set amount of people or X, you know, X amount of people. And then they're going to go over all the marketing strategies that cross country home services has in place right now. And what in the future, what they're going to try to do. My goal. And the reason I brought this up to my manager this morning is because I want to try to attend that. And you're probably asking yourself, why do I want to attend that? The reason I want to attend that is because marketing is my big niche and eventually I'm either going to end up trying to get into the marketing department at this company or I'm going to try to get into some form of sales or billing where it's over the phone, where I got to do a lot of over the phone selling or um, taking down information. So m the big thing for me is probably, you know, I'm probably going to lean a little bit more towards marketing just because um, it just because it's it, it's my niche. It's who I am. I'm, I'm really a marketer uh, in the sense of like I'm very creative. I understand the aspects. Like I like bold colors. I like you know graphs and diagrams and uh, different aspects, which I didn't get too much hands-on at at Broward College. It was more of like data analytics or uh, choose billboard locations. I really didn't get too much of a hands-on experience with designing or um, coming up with like coming up with like uh, solutions to different problems involving marketing. In a sense, I didn't really have too much of that. So if I could get into this marketing department with Cross Country Home Services. That'd be a big step up for me in learning uh, like more marketing strategies and skills to my my uh, skill assets, right? So my and the other thing too is if I do want to get into that marketing department, I need to meet the guy in charge of the marketing department. So I need to go and I think his name's Chris. It's on the um on like the email. 
I need to go and meet Chris. So I need to go to that luncheon to introduce myself and be like, Hey, my name's Tyler Dunn. I work in customer support services department. And eventually I'm going to come and apply for a marketing position with you. So I need to get in front of the decision maker. I need to, I need to figure out how, you know what I mean? Like that's an opportunity for me to introduce myself to some, uh, to a, a higher up in that department where when I want to apply for that position, I then have, you know, then he knows who I am. He'll be like, oh yeah, I know who Tyler Dunn is. He came to the, the marketing lunch and learn and I got to meet him and he came out to go see what we were doing. He came out to go see what he was doing when he was in customer support services um, and he didn't have to go and do that. So it puts a check mark on, uh, on my list, right? For that person that I'm trying to get a job with in the future. That's what I want to do. So um, I also got another opportunity. This is not, it's not for cross-country home services. It's for Toastmasters, which if anyone doesn't know what Toastmasters is, it's basically um, you're trying to overcome public speaking. So right now, um, right now, basically, I got a call from uh, Jason from Toastmasters, and he's in charge of uh, like nominating um, someone to go and do like PR rep, which is like public relations uh, like more of like a public relation type person where you would de- you'd be dealing with marketing for the company or it's not really a company. It's more of like a club. You'd be marketing for the club. And then from there, like you try to get more um, exposure for the club to get more people to join Toastmasters. So it was an opportunity where I'm like, you know, even though I'm not getting paid, see, most people probably wouldn't even want to do because they're not going to get paid. Um, but in my, uh, in my brain, you, know, you got to start somewhere. You got to work for free, work your way up. Most people started working for free and then they become, they become a celebrity or they become um, an expert in their niche because they're willing to do something that other people are not willing to do, like work for free. And I can add this to my resume as well. See, I'm always constantly thinking of how I can advance to the next step. Uh, that's something that I, I, you, know, you should really be thinking too is how, how can I advance to that next step, the next move, uh, like almost like a game of chess, right? You start off from, from the back and you're trying to get to the front, to then checkmate, uh, I believe it's the the king, king or queen. I, I can't remember in chess. It's been a long time since I played chess. I'm pretty sure it's king. You have to kill the king. Yeah, it might be the king. Um, people might laugh at me for that, but it's all good. But uh, anyways, so that so it's an opportunity that presented itself. I told them with enthusiasm, like yeah, yo, like put me in, uh, and I got to get voted in, which I'm almost positive people will vote me in. Because I show up almost every single every single time, and I and I and I do speeches, so I'm like, hey, and like I, I've missed the last three weeks. I'm gonna be honest with you, I missed the last three weeks. Um, had to get some college stuff wrapped up, uh, which I finished college, which is amazing. And I also had to, uh, my friend was leaving for Connecticut, or my friends were leaving for Connecticut, and I had to say goodbye to him on the day of the the last Toastmaster. So I didn't. You know, I didn't go for like three weeks. So I told them like, just put me on a list for a speech and I'll make it up with a speech. And then everyone got excited. I I think people honestly really like my speeches there just because like they're very motivational, like they make you think. Um, I don't, I try not to, it's not political in my speeches. They're more just motivating you and getting you to see a bigger point in life than just kind of floating through life. So they make you question stuff. Like the last speech I gave was, uh, I called it Sell to Survive, which was kind of talking a little bit about Grant Cardone's book, Seller Be Sold, where it talks about like we sell, even though like you don't consider yourself a salesperson, we all sell. In life, everyone sells. 
the biggest uh, selling point that you'll, you'll do in your whole entire life is sell yourself trying to get a job, sell yourself trying to convince other people to believe in you. You're constantly selling yourself. You just don't look at it as a, as, as a salesperson's point of view or that you're actually selling someone on something. Um, so that, that was that speech. Uh, I did another speech, which was kind of, I, I think it was just kind of talking about, um, I don't really remember too much of the other speech. The, the most recent one was, was uh, Sell to Survive was the name of my speech. This speech that I'm about to do, as soon as I wrap this up, I'm probably gonna actually going to have to go and write the speech um, and try to come up with like some type of topic that I want to talk about. So that's something that I have to do you know, right after this. So I'm going to be constantly working today. But uh, So that one's that. So that's uh, PR Toastmasters or you know, trying to do a little bit more in that club, get more active. Uh, learning. I did that. Okay. So then there's this other one and then we'll wrap this up and go to the two topics. But uh, I had this call, which I picked up. I worked Saturday, last Saturday. I worked from 8 a.m. to about 4.30 p.m. And around, I think around noon, I called the service provider. And I and all I needed, uh, f- you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I do like a lot of owner co, which is basically like the the uh cu- the customer goes and finds their own service provider and then we go to try to reimburse them but before we reimburse the customer the customer has to send us an invoice from the service provider and on that invoice has to state the cause of failure uh, it has to state a lot of other stuff too but the cause of failure is the big one because if it's not normal wear and tear or the system mechanically just you know um it was old and it just kind of gave out in 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 years of uh running or just normal wear and tear on the motor or some, you know, some type of normal wear and tear where it wasn't tampered with, um, then we would go and reimburse it. But if it's not, and it's like a service provider came out and messed it up, or they tried to fix it themselves and they messed it up, then it wouldn't be covered under warranty. So I had, and instead of kicking this back, cause people were kicking this thing back to this customer for like weeks on probably even months. And I, you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call a service provider, try to get the cause of failure, move it forward, and that way the customer will get reimbursed. So I pick up the phone, I call the service provider. Uh, I was this guy, Joe. Answers the phone. I introduce myself, right, and go, hey, this is Tyler from Cross Country Home Services. I'm just calling for this this lady, um, one of our customers, Linda, and we just need the cause of failure to move her reimbursement forward. And this, and the service provider goes, oh, I don't talk to Cross Country Home Services. I don't like them. Um, they screwed me over and fired me and I'm not going to give you any information. And I was putting a cross in cross, uh, like almost like the crosshairs of basically I had, I had to help the customer as much as I possibly could, but he, it was almost like you hear a lot in like selling like the gatekeeper. He was basically like the gatekeeper with the information and I'm trying to get the information to push this customer's uh, like push this customer's work through and he's just like, hey, like I don't like cross country home services. I'm not gonna give it to you. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, I totally understand. I'm like, listen, like I understand if you're upset with uh, with the company that I'm calling from, cross country home services. But I'm like, it's not fair to this lady um, or the customer, Linda, that's trying to you know get reimbursed for her work. Like Linda didn't do anything to you. Linda's just a customer that's just unfortunately caught in. Um, you know, in the crosshairs, basically in between, uh, the, di- you know, the dis, the dis argument, basically that you have with cross country home services or, uh, the, the issue that you have with cross country home services, the company. And I was like, um, I totally understand where you're coming from though. If I was in your shoes, I'd be a little upset too, if I got fired, but I'm like, um, Linda didn't do anything to you. 
if you know all i need is the cause of failure and then we can get linda's reimbursement move forward and he was just like no i'm not gonna tell you and i'm like okay <laughs> i'm like okay but it, it was one of those things like i tried a couple more times like i tried to get him to kind of budge a little bit and he wouldn't and i just you know it was one of those things where it was uh i've never I've never called a service provider that was uh, like really pissed off. So it was kind of like the first time I actually called someone where they're like, like pissed. And it was just funny. Like I've had customers I had to talk to that were really mad, but the whole thing with um, this guy was he was just pissed off at the company that I was working for. And all I was trying to do is just get the cause of failure to move this lady, the customer's um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, reimbursement forward. And I'm just like, Hey, look, like I totally understand where you're coming from. Like if I got fired, um, Hell yeah, Jimmy it done it, Jimmy wrote on Instagram it's a done deal for real. <laughs> but um but yeah, so I, I was trying to get this lady's reimbursement for her and I was just like, hey, look, man, like I understand you're you're pissed at this company that you got fired for whatever reason. Um, but Linda, the customer, didn't do anything to you. Like, I just need the cause of failure. That's all I'm asking for. And I'm like, and then I'm like, uh, like, do you care about the customer? <laughs> And he's like, I do care about the customer, but I'm not going to give that to you. And I was like, but it's not fair to the customer. And like, I was just kind of like trying to push a little bit. I was trying to push, but at the same time, like get him to realize like, it's not this person's fault. Like if I was this customer, the, the lady Linda, if I was in Linda's position where she's the customer and she's trying to get reimbursement, I'd be pretty frustrated if I couldn't get reimbursement because the service provider is not, is, is pissed off at the company. And he's trying to make, because that's what he told me too on the phone. The funny thing was, he's like, you guys made me look bad in front of the customer for firing me. I want to make your company look bad. And I was like, but you're not making us look bad. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're not, I'm like, look, like you're not making us look bad. You're just, you're just delaying the customer. Like the cut, the customer is suffering at this point because you're not going to give us the cause of failure. And I'm like, it's just not, it, I don't, I just believe it's not fair to the customer. Like, I'm like, I, I understand you don't really want to talk to cross country home services, but this customer really needs your help with the reimbursement. And he just, he didn't care. So I told him to have a, you know, a great day, got off the phone, wrote it in my notes, tried to push the work forward. And, and I don't know what happened. I didn't get coached on it. So I'm assuming uh, through my notes, they pushed the work through. But uh, the point of that story is I felt really good. Um, I, I was working with like three other people in my office at the time. And they were all like, oh my gosh, right? They're like freaking out. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, I feel, I'm like, I don't know why you guys are like freaking out. Like I was just trying to help the customer out. Like that's the whole point of this company is like you're, we're trying to help the customer out. And um, I actually felt really good when I got off that phone call. And I don't know if it's just because like um, it's just because like I've been doing a lot of sales training and I know eventually I'm going to hit I'm going to hit someone that's like pissed off or like not in a great mood and they're going to take it out on the person calling. And you know, I kind of really don't care too much about rejection. But the, the point was like, I think I felt good because I was trying to stand up for the customer. And I understood that I understood that if I could get the cause of failure and I kind of went in there like, okay, I can probably talk this guy into giving me the cause of failure, which, you know, I, I didn't, but I tried. Um, but I felt, I felt good about myself because I, I tried doing something that was bigger than myself. Like I actually went out there and tried to fight for the customer's reimbursement, which um, the guy wouldn't give it to me. But uh, so that's why I think I felt really good after I got off that phone call. But the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, you know, try to go out there and maybe like do something for someone else. Right. Like I don't, I don't, I have no idea who that lady was, that customer, Linda, the Linda customer, the, it might not even be a lady. I don't really like saying lady. Cause who knows if, if Linda is a lady, but, uh, you know, I think she was from like Texas or something, uh, the customer. So 
I've, you know, I can't, I've never seen Linda before. I don't even know who Linda is. And I still tried to actually do something nice for that, that customer, right? Some people will say, well, that's your job. Yeah. Try working at the place I work at and understand that, um, a lot of people don't want to pick up the phone and call service providers for that reason. Like the reason that just happened to me is why a lot of them won't pick up the phone and try to call the service provider. That sometimes the service provider doesn't, you know, it, he, he gets pissed for no reason or like because something happened to him in, in the past and, he, and he's taken out on the, the rep on the phone. But, um, so, you know, so, so even though it's technically like I should be doing that, it's my job. You know, I still went out of my way to try to get the cause of failure for this customer. But, um, but yeah, so there, so that I kind of wanted to bring that to your attention just to show you like, you know, I'm trying to pick up these, I'm trying to pick up the phone as much as possible. And just, you know, even if I get like rejected or something or like, so, like something goes terribly wrong, I still try to go above and beyond for um, a customer or, you know, above and beyond for whoever it is that I'm trying to help out. Uh, so, all right. So that's the personal updates. That's all I really have right now, but we're going to go into these, uh, these next two topics. So the first one is college. Now it's just a, you know, it's a plain, a plain title that just says college. The reason I wanted to talk about college, which eventually I did want to talk about it. Just, uh, I think like last week or uh, two weeks ago, I didn't, I I said I was going to talk about college and I was like, but I'm not going to do it right now. But um, the reason I'm bringing this one up is I have a, a family friend who um, just recently graduated high school and he's trying to go to college and he didn't, I, I think he had an idea of where he wanted to go, but he ended up deciding to stay home and not travel like everyone else. And he, and he decided to stay home in Broward, uh, the Broward County area. And decided to go to Broward College, and you know when when I was in high school, uh, Broward College was just transitioning into university status, and mo- and it was considered a community college. Um, right when I was about to graduate high school, I think it was still uh, still a community college. It was sl- I think it changed its name right when I left high school to Broward College instead of Broward Community College, but. Uh, when I was doing that, a lot of people were like, oh, that's like no one wanted to go to Broward College because they're like, oh, that's the school that you get into and you can't get into any other school. Um, unfortunately, that was the route that I had, right? Um, where I didn't have I didn't have the grades really to go to like a high-end school. So I ended up going to Broward College. Uh, the But the funny thing is it was actually a blessing in disguise because Broward College had a lot of resources where I used them towards like halfway through my college career or like a, a third of the way in or yeah, like a third of the way in, I basically used it. And I found out that it actually, the connections there and, and the community and like the resources were probably just as good as UCF or FAU or any of these crazy um, high priced colleges that most people try to aim for when they're getting out of high school that, you know, like these high schools push, push, um, push you to go to. And I was trying to tell him, like, you know, like, even though people are probably going to tell you, like, oh, you're going to Broward College and, like, you, m- you might get made fun of or someone might tell you that you're stupid or whatever and that's why you have to go to that school. Don't – I was like, just don't listen to them. And I'm like, the, um, I'm like, if you need anything, just call me because I'm like, I've been – I've worked at the marketing department there. I've gone and done um, – like, I graduated. I just recently graduated from Broward College with my two-year degree. I was like, I, you know, I've been there for, like, four years. Um, I've been on South, I've been on all the campuses, South campus, North campus, central campus. I'm like, I don't know South that well, but I don't think you're going to travel that far, but 
Uh, if you go to central or north and have any questions on like where to go or like you need any like information on the resources that are provided there, I can help you out. Uh, but um, so I heard I basically heard that he was going there like he signed up. Uh, he signed up recently and he's going to he's going to attend there. I think the next coming up term or like the term after. I don't know the specific term that he signed up for, but he signed up. So he's definitely going. Now, when I heard about this, I reached out to him and I told him I was like, you know, you need anything you contact me and I'll help you out. I was like the best. And I'm like, I was thinking to myself, like, all right, like if he's going to go, uh, I need to give him tips. Like I've been there for four years. Uh, if you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give him some tips because I wished when I went to college, I got tips. Uh, cause the first year that I went to college, I did the basic bare bone minimum. I went to, you know, maybe like three or four. I, I think I went to four classes when I first started. Uh, I skipped summer and then went into fall because I was like, all right, I want a little break before I actually start going to school and hammering down these classes. But I took summer off, went into fall. I went into four classes. I went into the four easiest classes that I could find on, on the, on the, um, of, of like choosing the classes from my, uh, itinerary. And then what I also did was I just go to class, come home, go to class, come home. So I was basically using it like it was high school. So every single time I came home and everyone's like, Oh, how was college? And I was like, it's okay. It's just high school. Like, it's just high school. That's, that's what I tell people. I'm like, it's just high school. Like I just go to class and come home and play video games. Like I was just playing video. I'd come home and play video games. I wasn't really doing anything productive. So I'm like, you know, it's, it's just high school, but like for adults. And, um, the only thing I appreciated was you got to pick your times when you wanted to go, what days, uh, you got to pick your, you got to pick your teeth. You just had, you had the free room of basically picking your, your, uh, your schedule basically, which was nice. Is you can you could take nighttime classes, you could take daytime, morning, you know whatever you wanted, you could pick, and you could go Monday through Saturday, right? So it was crazy. So to me, that that was the coolest part. I just had the freedom of picking when I wanted to go to class and what days I wanted off. Now, what I wrote him, and I probably came a little loud. What I wrote him was uh, if I could if if I could go back in time to college. I said, this is what I would tell myself uh, starting college. First of all, I'm like, get active in college. Use it as a networking hub because uh, that's really what it is. It's, it's made for networking. It's not made to just go to class, go home, and hope to God that once you graduate, you get a job when you get out. I was like, you have to, you have to get more active when you're in college, meaning like join clubs, uh, go and meet more people like uh, meet the teachers and the teachers normally have activities that you can do. Like if you're an accounting major, uh, the teachers normally have like um, after school activities where you can meet like high end uh, CEOs of different accounting companies. Uh, you can get like different certificates as you're as you're going through it. Uh, you know, I've, I've joined like DECA before. It didn't really work out too well. Um, I didn't like how it was run, but um, uh, you know, they win awards every single time. Like they travel to like California, all this different stuff, uh, different places. But I was trying to tell them like, you got to use it as networking. And I was like, the big thing that I can definitely tell you is definitely go and do internships. I was like, that's the one thing that every college kid does not do. And I was like, that's why when they graduate, they cannot find jobs. They don't have the experience when they get them out. They come out with the degree, but they don't have the experience in the work field. And I was like, you use the internships as like, let's say you wanted to be an accountant, right? You're like, okay, I really like numbers. I like graphs. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I would be a good accountant. And if you, that's what you want to do and you're majoring in accounting, 
you're going to want to do an internship with accounting because then you'll get hands-on experience and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do for a long period of time, you know, probably the rest of my life or for a good amount of time. Uh, and you'll get hands-on and be like, all right, like, do I really want to do this for 20 plus years? And then if your answer is no, then, then you know, like, okay, like I didn't just go and get an accounting degree and now I, and now I, and you know, now I'm, I wasted all this money and time on this accounting degree and I didn't really want to do accounting all, all along, which is the biggest problem with a lot of these people is they don't do the internships. They graduate with the, de the degree that they wanted, that they thought they wanted. They go and they work in that field and then they go, oh man, I really hate this, this field of work. Um, I don't want to do this as a career. And then they go back to school and get more debt. Um, so that's what I was trying to tell him was like, if, you know, the internship was the biggest thing that saved me. So I'm like, definitely do internships if you can, um, network. And I was like, the, the other thing I can definitely give you is get grants. Like if you need financial, financial aid or financial help, go for the grants and scholarships at all costs. Stay away from the government loans. Any loan from college you do not want. And I was like, but you got to try to get grants and scholarships. Uh, those are free money that, um, like for instance, I got a, a scholarship in college. I've, I've never gotten a scholarship before in my life, but when I went to college, I got a scholarship and it was, it was called the American, the American dream summit or something like that scholarship. And what it was, was a lot of, um, they got a lot of businesses together and they donate money for any business major. So I ended up getting, um, like I think it was like $1,500 scholarship, uh, for like, uh, for the month or whatever, for like that term, each term I had to like reapply or something for it. And I got like $1,500 per term. And at Broward college, the cost is like, like five times cheaper than you going to like FAU or some high end school. Like the classes are ridiculously cheap, especially if you live in Florida, you get that Florida discount as well. So, you know, that that's what people don't realize either. Like you get a discount by going to the Florida school. If you live in Florida, and at the same time, they're already cut down like a third of the cost from like the average uh, college class. Um, and it's not because they're weak at, you know, they're, they're, it's a weaker class. It's just because like it's, it's made to be affordable. Like that's their, that's their slogan. That's their message. Like they're trying to make college a lot more affordable because most people come out with all this debt. So they're trying to make the college and be different by making it affordable. So that's where people, you know, I think also people look at it and they go, oh, it's so much cheaper than going to this high-end school. So it must be low grade quality, which is not true. Just because the price is lower doesn't mean the quality that you're getting is different, right? It just means that the school is uh, differently priced, just like your shoes. Shoes are probably about the same quality. Like a Nike shoe is probably about almost the same quality as an Adidas shoe. The reason you're paying more for the Nike is the brand. It's been branded. It's a higher, you know, you look at it as like a higher brand than um, Adidas. So of course you're going to want to pay more for the Nikes and the, than a, a, a Adidas shoe, right? So that's what you have to look at. As I was trying to tell them, um, my intake on college though is I don't, I don't really believe in it as as most Americans or as most people were brought up to believe in college. And the reason I can tell you why I don't believe in it is is a few a few different reasons. Um, like anything, uh, college is more of a business than it is, uh, to help you. Now, how they get you is they try to, they try to tell you like, oh, it's education. Like you're paying for education. Um, and education is costly. Uh, I can tell you that it's a complete waste of your time unless you're going into a field where you really need books. 
in the sense of like the medical field or like a, like a trade school, but even trade school, you really don't even use books. You, you do more of like hands-on. And then the trade schools are actually way better, by the way, than universities, only for the fact that you're getting hands-on experience. So if you wanted to be a mechanic for like, uh, you know, like some kind of car company, like Ford, and you want to be a mechanic and work for Ford um, in the mechanic uh, shop, you go to a trade school and they, they would give you hands-on experience. So you're learning. You're not learning out of a book, mostly. You're learning hands-on. And then they have jobs lined up for you because um, the auto, uh, like Ford, maybe might be like a connection that they have where they're like, okay, every single year when you have uh, graduates, give us their resume, send us their contact information, and we'll try to give them a job. Like you already know they're looking for jobs. That's why trade schools are good. Now, the thing that I realized with college was it, it wasn't what everyone really thought it was, right? What's up? Um, it wasn't what everyone really thought it was. It was more of like, it was almost like high school, but like, you got to use it as connections. Like you don't, you don't just go to college and go home. Like you want to build a network from college. You want to use the resources that it provides for you. And what most people do is they go to college, they go home. Uh, but the other thing too is people, um, people don't really make money off college. Uh, who really makes money off college is uh, is the government because the the government loans the student loans. That's what a lot of people don't realize. But the funny thing is, a lot of people do realize that, right? You don't realize it when you're signing the loan. But a lot of people, if you ask them, hey, like uh, like everyone knows government loans are bad, right? Or student government loans or student loans. Like everyone knows that that's completely a terrible loan to to put your name on. But people just assume like they have to go get an education, so they just sign it anyways. They're like, all right, I'll, I'll sign this $40,000 loan from the government, but then again, like, you know, I don't have to worry about that now. I'll pay that once I get out of college. And then most of the time it accumulates. You have to pay more or um, they garnish your wages or something happens where later on down the road, you can't find a, you can't find a college job. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of people, by the way, they graduate from college and they can't find a job. Now, the biggest, the biggest reason for that is because they don't have the experience. And I can tell you that um, because when I went to North Carolina for my sister, give me one sec. When I went to North Carolina with my, uh, for my sister's graduation, all the people there, there's a couple people that I was talking to from like, they, they wanted to go into IT work. And they said, uh, you know, we go, we went to college for four years, like paid all this money. Like then I go to try to work for Microsoft or some place that's gonna you know, a big corporation that's gonna that's gonna want to hire me, and they go the first question they ask me is how like do you have seven at least seven years of experience, and they go of course I don't have seven years of experience I went to school for four years and I didn't work in the field of of IT work I don't even have one year of experience, so that's why I know like the big thing is internships because all these people are graduating like I have um. I have a friend that lives right behind me, went to school for, I think, I think he got a bachelor's. I don't know if he got a bachelor's or a master's, but he was doing a lot of cool stuff. Like every single time I saw him on Instagram, he was doing like uh, news or um, he was doing like very, very interesting stuff where I think he wanted to be an anchor at one point in time. Like, I, I don't know if he still wants to do that, but uh, he was always on the news channels uh, trying to like be like, you know, like try to like intern with like the anchors or like a news channel. And I always saw him on Instagram when he was doing this stuff and it looked really cool. Well, he went to the top notch school. All right. Paid probably thousands upon thousands of dollars 
uh, came back and can't find a job. And he's basically working at Home Depot after he went to he went to school for four you know four years and spent all this money and he can't seem to find a job. So my point is, um, and that's common. Like a lot of people know people that are trying to go to college and they come back and they can't find a job and they spend all this money and time, uh, you know, wasting all this time trying to go to college because they promised you you'd get a job right after college, right? Like that's the American dream. You go to college and get an okay job and. And you live off that job. You live on that the mediocre job of forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, uh, the middle class salary, right? So that's what people, don't, you know. And the funny thing is, people know they just they just don't care. Like people just don't care. Like okay, like whatever. It's it's uh, it's not my problem right now until it is their problem. But um, so I don't I don't really believe in in college that much unless you're in the medical field or you're doing something where it requires books. But um, uh, the that's that's the big problem. All right, is the debt that comes with it? Uh, like the debt right now with college is about, I believe it's over a trillion dollars of debt with with student loans, and it's it's five times, three or five times more than credit card consumption debt in the United States of America. All right, so that just goes to tell you that someone's making a lot of money off these loans uh, with debt, right? They're using debt as as collateral uh basically um for the citizens of the united states they're using the debt to, to collect more money off of them uh which most people don't realize that uh most people and, and the funny thing is i left my job right i left the marketing position um and my my manager at the time was saying how she you know she has a master's and she's like i'm still paying debt on the master's and i'm thinking to myself okay like I don't know how old my manager was. Um, you know, she watches this sometimes. So I don't really want to guess her age. <laughs> I think she's. I think she told. I think she told me her age or told us her age at one time. Um, but like, and she doesn't. She doesn't look old, by the way, either. She looks really young. But um, I know she's. Uh, she's definitely older than me. But uh, she, like she said, she and when I left that marketing position, she's like, make sure you go back for the bachelor's because I told her my plan. I'm like, I'm going to take a year off. I just, you know, I, I went back there um, right before I graduated my last class and I and I went to say goodbye to him because I'm like, you guys are in Davie. I work kind of in Sunrise. I'm not going to take the extra 30, you know, the extra 15 minute drive down here all the time to see you guys. I normally would just stop by after class. And I'm like, so once I start class again, because I'm like, I, I am planning on in a year trying to use the company I'm with to pay for my tuition or at least pay for like 75% or see how much they're going to reimburse me for tuition. And, um, I, I said, but you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I'm still debating on going back with the bachelors. Like, do I really want to waste more time trying to get the bachelors? And if I do, I made a commitment to myself where if I can't get it done within two more years, when I go back, like it's, it's over, like it's not worth it unless I'm like, how I was with the four years with the AA and I was like one or two classes away, then I might as well finish it. But, um, it, like to me, there's really no point. Uh, you could take any successful human being and most of them barely graduated high school. This is another, this is another great point to, to really look into. So most people won't believe me maybe, but if you actually look into some of these people, a lot of people know this, by the way, too, a lot of Americans know this. Um, most of the successful people are like disabled in some sort of way. Like they're ADHD, like, they have, you know, they they have some kind of disability of dyslexia. They have some type of disability that was brought onto them that they were diagnosed with by society, right? And they either barely did not pass high school, probably barely passed high school, 
or just graduated high school and dropped out of college, right? Um, and, and these are successful people like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, uh, anyone that's been extremely like successful with money, within relationships, within anything you can think of, did not finish college. Or, or even didn't even go to college. So, you know, it, and I think what most people want is they want security. They feel like, oh, if I have this degree, then you have some type of security. I was talking to this banker a while back, um, uh, Felipe, uh, which I've talked about on the show before. And when I met him for the first time, I was talking about, you know, I really don't really believe in college. Like, I don't really think I want to go for a bachelor's. And he was like, no, he's like, you really should go for the bachelor's. He's like, it just gives you security. And he said it flat up. He was like, it just gives you security, like a cushion where if you can't, if like something happens to you, like you'll, you like, you'll cap out at a certain rate and like you, like you, you always have like a, a backup or like a job. Um, and he was talking about comfort and security and that, and I really believe like that's, that's why a lot of people aren't successful in the United States and they live in paycheck to paycheck is they're not willing to take the risks. They're not willing to push themselves out of the comfort zone and get around what the masses are doing, right? Uh, I was watching this video with Grant Cardone today, and he was speaking, I, I think it was when he was speaking at Nova University. And he goes, if the masses are all doing it, you do not want to do it. Because normally when the masses do everything together, they're, it's normally the wrong thing. It's normally something that's not good for you, right? College is what everyone is trying to do. The poorest of the poor people are always are like, I can't, you know, I got to go to college. I got to go to college. And everyone's pushing. All your parents are pushing you to go to college. And I think a lot of kids, the reason they go to college is because of their parents and not their choice. Uh, because they, that's what they were told to do, right? Your parents were told to go to college, get a good job, work a nine to five, uh, you know, uh, barely make ends meet kind of thing. Like just go and go to college and you'll get a, you'll get a degree and, and you'll be able to work at, you know, this, the top of the line corporations and stuff like that. Um, cause that's what happened to me to be a hundred percent honest with you. I knew, um, I knew all the stuff that I'm telling you right now is like, all right, like college is really not that big of a deal. I, and by the way, I was actually kind of forced to think like that for a second. Cause my grades were not good. Um, I barely graduated with a 2.0 in high school. Um, I tell this story to everyone because, um, like, and you're looking at someone that's coming and doing live streams and you're, and you're looking at someone that's pushing the boundaries and, um, you know, meeting random strangers and trying to like outdo myself all the time. And, um, I speak well and I I'm doing speeches, right. I'm doing public speaking. I'm going in, I'm, um, working hard at these corporation jobs with no degree and stuff like that. Right. Um, when I got hired at cross country home services, I didn't have a degree yet. I was still working on the degree. Um, when I got an internship, I didn't have, you know, obviously I was a student, so they gave me a, a, a position basically and they paid me for it. Um, I got a marketing job and the marketing job found me and they pursued me. I didn't pursue them. Right. So the, the point that I'm trying to make to you is like, you don't, you don't need the degree. Um, but that's what everyone's trained to do. Right. And that's what happened to me because I was like, all right, I'm at a 2.0. I'm like, I kind of have to go to Broward College if I want to go to college. I can't really, or, or some type of community college. I can't really go to a high-end school. They're not going to accept me. Um, and so I was kind of like, yeah, it's, I'm like, I'm reading about, you know, business and all these successful people. And they're all telling me like, hey, like college is not what you think it is. 
like you don't need college. And so I, you know, obviously I tell my parents, my parents are like, or my mom really, my dad didn't really say anything, but my mom's like, no, you have to go to college, right? You have to go to college. And I'm like, and then of course my grandparents are old school. So my grandparents are like, yeah, you have to go to college, right? Uh, everyone around me is going to college and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I have to go to college. They put, they put it in my head, right? That I had to go to college and I'm like, okay, um, I got to go to college. Right. I'm like, I have no other options. Like I can't, I can't keep working at this food and beverage place forever. I got to go to college so I can go get a, a 40 to $50,000, uh, salary job. Right. So I go to college and then I realized, uh, you know, then I realized as I was going there that all these people are coming out with debt, right. All these people are coming out with massive student loans. Um, the teachers aren't teaching you anything. Like you're probably more smarter than the teachers. Uh, you're paying like seven times for education. Um, which by the way is like the biggest joke, right? You're paying probably two grand for a course. Like if you went to like FAU or you went to like some high end school, you're paying like two grand per class or 1500 per class. Um, and I went, I went to college for four years, right? And I picked up a book for business. I read the book. It was about a 350 page, uh, page book, read it on sales on, uh, on, on sales training, read the 350 page book. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yo, I read this 350 page book and I learned seven times, maybe even like 50 times more information than I, than I learned within the four years of taking multiple different classes in college. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was like, dude, like I just read this in two months, this book. And I got more knowledge than in the four years I went to college. And, and that's, that's when I knew like I was right the whole entire time with college where I was like, I was like, it's a fucking, it, it's, it's really a joke, right? It, college is not what you really think it is. Um, so that's what I was trying, you know, I was trying to help him out when he goes, cause really, if you're going to go to college, you need to network. Like that's what people don't realize. Like people do not network. They go home and play video games. That's what I did for the first year and a half of my college careers. I just went home and then I, and then I was like, you know what? I, I like, I'm not really, I don't really know. I just know I want to do business. Right. Like I told myself, I'm like, I just know I want to do business. Uh, I was going through like, like this crazy, like breakup at the time, which is where I kind of hit the low point, uh, in my life. And that's what really 100% changed me, uh, you know, in like every single direction. And I'm like, I got to get more active somehow in college because I'm like, if I stay home and play video games, I'm going to be really depressed and I'm not going to do anything. So the only thing I could think of was going to getting an internship, which most people didn't want to do. And cause I got some paper, I went to this one class and they gave me a paper for an internship and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, uh, there's an internship, uh, career center or something at Broward college. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go here, ask them if they have any positions and see what happens. And so I look up online. I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. Like I went online cause I'm like, I have to pick something. I can't just pick general business when I go and go for an internship. So I go online, I pick, you know, I type in the most high demand positions cause I knew um, you know, a lot of these college kids, they pick things that are not in high demand. They graduate and they get outsourced. They get outsourced and then they, they don't have a job. They paid all this money. They paid 40 grand, 20 grand, uh, for a degree and they can't use the degree. Like there's no jobs for them. So I'm like, I got to pick something that's in high demand in business. And I look it up and it comes up, uh, you know, I'm reading like the first three, I think marketing was like the second or third on the list and the most high demand positions. And I read on there, it was like uh, third on the list on demand, on like the most demand job. And I'm like, okay, I can make up to $80,000. 
right? I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, okay, I can make from 50 to almost a hundred grand, three, uh, like three, um, uh, yeah, a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars. And I go, shit. So I go to the internship, um, place and I go to the lady and I'm like, Hey, look, I want to do a marketing internship. And she goes, Oh wow, that's crazy. She's like, we just got this new one. And she's like, it pays $10 an hour. She's like, it's very, very rare that, um, intern interns get paid. And she's like, this one, they're going to pay you $10 an hour, which is really good. And it was more than I was getting paid at my, my, my okay job. And I'm like, okay. And I, you know, I got, I got a job. I, I beat 250 candidates and got the job. And that's when I realized I was a marketer right from, right from that. I actually kind of, honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really think I was a marketer at that point. I kind of realized like marketing was my niche. Cause just cause uh, they gave me things and I had to like present. Like I remember this one time I went in and she's like, all right, you're going to present these bullet points and you're going to come up with solutions to how we can get better at our mark. Cause they didn't have a marketing position where um, that internship was. And she's like, you're just going to, you're going to present on what we can do better with the marketing. And I go, okay, I come up with all these answers and I pitch them and they get like different people. They get like this one guy from it. They get this other person from like the engineering department. They get like all these different people. Cause they're interested. They're like, Oh my God, there's like this young a uh, 20 year old kid, 19 year old kid. And he's going to pitch these ideas. And like, I, they're like, we'll give him feedback. So I, you know, I do the presentation and like, I was already pretty, I was already like pretty decent at public speaking. I was the only class that I, uh, I, I did really well. Cause I'm like, it's easy. I just pitch ideas. Like, I, I just basically talk in front of someone that I can do pretty well. And I'm like, I'll get an easy a. So I, you know, I got like an a plus everyone else got like C's. I don't even know how you get C's in public, public uh, speaking, but you know, people just didn't want to do speeches. So I get up there, I pitch it, and they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, the the vice president of that company is like, oh, my God. Uh, like, that was incredible. Like, she's like, you have, like, some real sales skills where you can you can present. And I just remember sitting, I, I remember sitting there, and she, and she said, she's like, you know, like, I can definitely see you being a salesperson. And at this time, I didn't, I, I didn't, I want, I did, I didn't want anything to do with sales. I, I hated the word sales. I, I was like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a salesman, but I call myself a business person, right? I'm, I'm a businessman, like, but, I, but I'm a marketer. That's what I would say. I'm like, I'm a businessman. One day I'm going to own my business, but I hated sales. Didn't make any sense, you know, at the time, right? But I, I didn't realize that I was young. And I'm like, you know, I, I hate sales. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't see myself selling. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a marketer. Like, I just have these great ideas that I can put on paper and then I can make them come to life. And, and she's like, yeah, but I can definitely see you being a salesperson. And then later on, as I, I started getting older, right, I, I you know, went, to, went to college more and then I started reading books on sales and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a salesman. Like, I've been a salesman since I was 18 years old. Well, probably young, you know, younger, obviously, but I'm like, but that's, that's when I started really getting into like more like of the business realm. And I'm like, oh, I've been a salesperson my whole entire life right? Like that, that's, that's the niche that I was supposed to be in is sales. Um, or, you know, just business, like business sales. And I was like, damn, like she was right. So the point that I'm trying to make is like, if you do the internships, the internships are really where it's at because you're going to, you're going to get to meet people that are on a whole different level than you. Right. And it's, and it's very intimidating at first until you start getting into your niche. And then you realize that these people are like, these people can help you. Like, uh, these people can give you jobs after you graduate college. Like, uh, they told me too, like they don't have a marketing department, so they couldn't hire me. But she was like, 
Um, you know, if, if we had a marketing department, she's like, I would definitely hire you. Like you were like, you were the perfect person that we could have possibly gotten out of all the candidates. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, the only thing I didn't like about that internship was, um, their customers were not, they were older people and it was, uh, it was out, it was outdated stuff that they were doing. So I didn't, I didn't really learn a lot about marketing until I went to the marketing department at Broward college and they're marketing towards college kids. And that's when everything became different. I'm like, oh man, like I love this. Like this is a great position because now I'm doing Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, live streams. We're going out and we're going to different campuses and we're actually filming with the students and we're participating in these videos. Like, like, like you could probably do like in the last two years or I think like I, I worked there roughly three years, but the last three years you probably look back and I'm in a lot of videos that they put out. Because I was just prop, I was just like, okay, you need a prop. Like, I'll be the person that's gonna be in this video and do some uh, B-roll. I got you. So I was in a lot of videos that you probably like. I could probably look up and, and find myself in. But um, but the point that I'm trying to make is like, college is really not what a lot of people think it really is. Um, and you got to be really careful. Like, definitely do your research if you're gonna go to some type of college. Um, and stay away from the student the student loans. The loans are are the killer. You got to get the grants and the scholarships. That's what I was trying to tell him. But, um, you know, I'll inform you if he ever reaches out to me or whatever. But, um, yeah, so that, that's college. That's that topic. Now, we're going to go to the second topic. And this one's going to be sometimes failure can lead to um, an unexpected success. Now, I picked this one because um, I've had a lot of times, like my, my number one rule that I put in my head is uh, you have to show up. Right. And it kind of plays into this one because if you, if you show up, uh, you can't like the saying is you can't get lucky unless you show up. So if you just show up, sometimes you get lucky and it's kind of the same idea with this one where it's like sometimes failure can lead to an unexpected success because if you fail, right, you're doing something that you're not really too certain on and you fail, um, you might end up discovering a solution to something, Right. Or maybe you brought in a, like for me, like I've had a lot of times where um, I failed at this warranty company and I, and um, we're, we're, we're kind of graded on like pr uh, productivity and like doing things the right way and stuff like that, you know, protocol and stuff. So I'll mess up and I'll show it to, and like my, uh, my manager will coach me on it and she'll be like, Hey, look at this, this, this. And she'll go through and she'll be like, Oh wow, I never even noticed this before, right? Like my failure brought attention to my manager like, "Hey, look, like we need to create something for this." Or we need to go and um and do, you know, we got to fix this protocol because it's it's outdated. It's not working anymore. Like we got to go and do something different, right? And that's only because I mess up and she'll coach me and then she'll go through it and we'll both have to dive deep into why I did what I did. Because by the time they coach me on that one, I probably did like 200 and something emails and I don't, I can't remember what, why I did what I did on that email. I've, I've gone through like 200 emails already. So I don't, I don't really know, um, you know, exactly why I did that. So, um, that's one example. Like another example I can probably tell you is, uh, uh, like BMX. I was going to talk about when I was BMXing because a lot of people quit and the only way you can get good at like like sports, the only way you can get good at anything is by you got to constantly keep failing and getting back up. Like uh, with BMX, it's um, it's all tricks. The one trick that took me a very very long time, and I kept falling and like hurting myself, was uh, um, a 180. And to most people, like that probably BMX are like, oh, 180 is like one of the easiest tricks. 
But honestly, the 180 was the most hard, one of the most challenging tricks because you had to, depending on your hub, uh, you had to either pedal backwards. If you had a free coaster, it was a little bit easier. But um, uh, you had to do a, a 180 degrees, and then you have to go backwards and keep the balance as you're pedaling backwards and somehow fakey out or like uh, you hop out of it and go forward. But it, it's one of those tricks where like, it looks easy when someone does it until you have to try to do it. And what ends up happening is um, you, you fall a lot. Like either you do a 90 degree turn and you're sideways and the momentum throws you off the bike and you roll and you get hurt or you end up slipping off your pedals because you're not used to landing. Um, you're not used to landing going backwards. So you normally fall backwards from the momentum of losing, like uh, losing the grips of the handlebars or losing your footing you fly you fly backwards and um so it was, it was a trick that took me a very very long time like it took me like four or five months of constantly failing 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 falling 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 and then eventually i got the hang of it and i landed one and i was like i was like huh i was like that's interesting i got it and then i just kept doing it and i was like okay like i understand how to do this now but i had to constantly keep failing and then eventually I just like unexpectedly, I got a success and I was like, Oh man, that felt great. Like, how do I, how do I keep doing that? It's the same thing in life. Like you're going to have a lot of, a lot of times where, um, you're going to try something, you're going to fail and something's going to happen where like something good's going to come out of it where you're like, Oh man, like, uh, I met this person. Like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a like a really good one that I can give you that that happened to me where um, I'm trying to think for a second, but uh, there, there's like plenty of things that you can like really do this with like with college. Like I failed college, right? I um with college I failed every single math class almost I think almost every single one three times. Uh, counting one, I failed three times before I passed it stats or statistics I, I failed it twice before i passed it uh algebra one i think I, I failed it almost three times uh algebra two i think i failed about three times so all the math classes i really failed a bunch of times until i eventually passed them now um it's it's not really too much related to like sometimes you know like the failure can lead to unexpected things but the cool thing was when i failed those classes and had to retake them again um, it enforced kind of like discipline almost where I'm like, all right, like I, I, um, I had to fail this to understand like, all right, if I take this teacher again, I have to pass these two tests and I can kind of flunk the other ones and have a backup and I just have to do the homework. So I figured out, I kind of figured out how to pass the class if I retook the same teacher again. Cause I'm like, okay, if I can just pass the, the, the two tests are always the easiest. If I could just pass the first two tests, the, the next two tests because normally there's four tests in um in math uh if i could just pass the first two and i failed the other two they might drop one like some of these professors uh they drop like a bad test score so they'll drop one and i have two a's i got rid of one of the f's now i have the last test and my homework will cover up for that last and fourth test there's some a lot of these teachers with math will do like three three quarters of your grade or it's it's equal to like a test and a half or even like two tests that he pulls up to with the points. Um, and that's mostly like what happened. So I always got like a hundred on all the homeworks if I could, or I tried to get like A's on the homework. And then it would basically kick off that last bad test grade. Or 
if I did really good on like three out of the four tests, then I automatically knew I would pass because they dropped the lowest test grade. And even if I did, you know, okay on the homework, I'd still, I'd still pass. So the point that I'm, that I'm trying to make is, uh, you know, like if, if sometimes like you have to fail and then you get like these little unexpected successes where, uh, like that's kind of what like I kind of did in college where I like filled this one class. I'm like, okay, like if I just kind of did this differently and I focused on these more, I'll pass. And then I'd pass the class. Um, but sometimes like you do this a lot at work. Like if you're at work and sometimes like you'll mess up an order. And then uh, I think I had an incident at like when I worked at uh, the food and beverage department at Saveology Iceplex where um, I messed up an order. I think I messed up an order and it ended up, um, I ended up being able to give it to someone else. So I pleased, you know, I helped someone else out that didn't really need, uh, that kind of needed help. And then I ended up getting that order. You know, I made the other order fresh and that person was happy because I personally made the other order that, that I messed up on or, or whatever, um, whatever situation that occurred within that. And then I basically like helped out two people with uh, with the mistake or i gave um uh, like or it could have been with cash or something right like if i did i gave the person um like let's say let's say he gave me like a ten dollar bill right and he wanted uh like he wanted cash and he wanted like five like a five dollar bill and then like five singles and i'm like okay and like all i had was all i had was quarters right and so, or I had like, let's say I had like $4, a $5 bill, and then just quarters that I could give them. So I had to give them a dollar and quarters. Uh, even though that would be considered like, you know, like a, a failed attempt at giving him exactly what he wanted. Maybe I gave him the quarter, the dollar quarter. And he's like, oh man, like I, I really wanted this dollar quarter um, or a dollar in quarters for the tolls. So like the failure basically played out and he was like, okay, like, even though it's not exactly what I wanted, what I requested, it still helped him out, right? Like he, he, he was able to use the quarters for like the tolls or, or in some, in some way or form, like that failure helped him out and it became like a, a success for you. Like he was actually satisfied and happy that like you only had the, the quarter, the dollar in quarters, right? Um, I've had that happen before where they're like, I'm like, Hey, like I don't really have any more cash. I have to go and request it from the manager uh, you're going to have to wait like 30, 40 minutes, or I could just give you the dollar and quarters, or I could just give you like change. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yo, that'd actually work fine. Like I was actually trying to get, you know, trying to get some quarters for the tolls or I was trying to get, this is kind of like back when like Sun Pass was just kind of coming out, but he was like, um, yeah, I really need, I really need the dollar and quarters for, you know, like the vending machines or, uh, we had a lot of vending machines there. So he's like, I could use this for the vending machine for my kid. And I'm like, and that's basically like a failure, right? Like I failed to meet his demands in the sense, but it ended up being like a actual, like a better, a better situation or a better out, outturn for that person. So that's kind of like something that I can give you as an example. Uh, like sometimes failures can lead to an unexpected success. Um, but yeah, so that one's like, that one I don't really have, like, honestly, like too many examples. Like I get, I think I gave you three out of the total, but, um, it happens all the time, to be honest with you, like, but you just don't really ex like expect it. Like sometimes like I've gone places where, um, I ordered like food, right. And I'm like, okay, like I want, I want a burger, fries and a drink. And they go and I'm like, and they're like, okay, what kind of drink? And I, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, I want a, 
a fruit punch or something. And they go, well, <clears throat> we're out of the, the fruit punch. And I'm like, okay, like I want water. But like the funny thing is like, they didn't have the fruit punch, but the reason I went with water is because I probably should be drinking water anyway. So I took it as like a sign, like I'm not supposed to drink the fruit punch. Right. So it was kind of like, it was a failure on the fast food place that I, I went to, but it actually helped me succeed for my goals of not drinking, uh, you know, a lot of uh, sugar intake or, um, you know, cause like, let's say I'm trying to lose weight. Right. So then I ended up going with the healthier choice, which was the water. So that's like, those are some examples. Um, you know, this could be, could basically be for anything though, like at your job, like most commonly it happens to me at my job, like something will happen, I'll, I'll mess it up. And then my manager would be like, all right, like, look at, like, let's take a look at this. And we look at it and she's like, okay, like, uh, for next time, like, I understand where you made this, this error. Like, we'll make a template for this or we'll do this for the next person. And I'm like, okay. So see, like I messed up and she fixed it. She basically like, oh, I've, I, I didn't know like that happened there. I didn't, I've never seen that before. Right. So it, it I ended up helping it, helping out the company or it helped out someone else within the company that might've, might've run into like the same situation or the, like that is about to make the same mistake. Um, so that one's like, sometimes failures can lead to an unexpected success. Now I'm going to do done deal investments and then we'll wrap this up. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn with done deal investments, LLC, uh, where the deal is already done. This business is designed to help a distressed seller mostly. And how it works is you take the the seller, someone that financially probably can't sustain their property, um, where it's like liens on their property, they're going into pre foreclosure, they're behind on back taxes, they um they have a job transfer and can't wait like a month to sell it through a real estate agent. They've had bad experiences with with a uh, real estate um, real estate agent, and um, they don't want to use another real estate agent. Uh, you inherited a house right from a loved one or whoever you inherited the house from and you just got to get rid of it really fast and it's messy inside they didn't take care of the house uh you went through a very very messy divorce and you just want to get a quick sell you don't want to go through a lengthy process you got to like you know like go through this whole process of selling this house um that's where dundeal investments would come in to help you and give that property owner another resource uh, how this works is I call a three-step process to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundeal Investments. Um, there's no way that I, I would possibly be able to read your mind or, or know to call you if you don't reach out to Dundeal Investments in some form of uh, communication, whether it's email, phone, um, through the website. Uh, what else? Social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, there's plenty of ways you can reach out. And then I'll, I'll put you on, on a call list or I'll put you on some type of way of getting into communi uh, communications with you that you're more comfortable doing. Um, from there, we're, I'm just going to ask you some very, very basic questions. I do, I do work a full-time job right now. So if you call me, just make sure you leave a voice message. I get a lot of phone calls where people don't leave a voicemail. And I, and I don't know um, if it's a solicitor. I don't know if it's someone that really needs help. So make sure you're always leaving a voicemail if you call me. Um, because if I'm working, it's normally from like nine in the morning to six thirty PM and it, it takes um it, it takes me a couple minutes to get back to you because I'm I'm working a full time job. I can't use my phone at the job I'm working at, unfortunately. So I can't can't get back to you like you know, like in, in that two minutes or I can't get I can't really answer the phone um from nine to like six thirty. So if I gotta call you back in like at eight in the morning the next day or I gotta call you back at seven 
you know, whatever I have to do, I'll, I'll make it work. But just make sure you leave a voicemail if you call. Now, um, so yeah, so I'll ask you some very, very basic information just on your financial situation that you're trying to get out of, uh, some questions on your property. So this way I'm on the same page as you with your property and your financial um, condition that you're in or whatever, whatever reason you're trying to sell your property really fast for. From there, we go into step two, which is I have to make a um, appointment with you or the property owner where it's going to be, um, I come over, I inspect the house basically, just make sure that like if you have broken, um, broken windows, you have mold, anything where it's a cost to the investor, I have to write down for an estimate. And then I'm going to take five pictures inside and five pictures outside the property. And now the reason for all this is um, if I go and try to get an investor on the deal, I don't want all this foot traffic being displayed at your house where they got to they gotta come to your house and look at the property. I'm going to send them the pictures of the inside and the outside and how much estimately it's going to cost to uh, basically flip your property and put it in mint condition to then put it on the market for them to make a profit. Um, and from there... I just basically, you know, I find the investor. This is step three that we're on. I find the investor. I then do some comps on your house where I can get the average price. And all we do is we just find three houses that have sold in your neighborhood, um, it, like recently, uh, that matches as close as we possibly can the specs to your house. And that's where we get the average cost. From that, all we do is uh, minus the, um, we minus the expense to the investor. And that's the price we negotiate on is the, after all that, basically after that, once we got the average price, once we deduct the, the, um, the cost basically for the investor, that's the price we negotiate on. And then you can also, um, let me know if you need to stay in the house for a certain amount of time. So you can go and find another property, whatever you basically need as the seller. My job with done deal investments is to make sure that you, the seller, um, are comfortable within the deal. Make sure the investor understands and is also on the same page as you are and make sure this deal goes as smoothly as possible between the investor and the seller. That's where done deal investments um, main job really comes down to. Uh, from there, once we agree on the terms, the policies, the price, um, we go and sign a contract, which you, the seller, would sign. Uh, I would sign for done deal investments and then whoever the investor is would sign the contract. And then what happens is we give you, me and the investor would give you the cash offer uh, for the property that we um, agreed on on the contract. Then the investor would take ownership of the property. He would flip it, try to make a profit and sell it on the market. Dundee Investments would make a commission, which is the cool part, um, through the investor, not the seller. And um, so you don't pay Dundee Investments, the investor would pay Dundee Investments. Uh, and the seller, then I can also give you like resources. Like if you need a realtor, a real estate agent, you need home inspector, you need basically anything to get you that next step. I, um, Dundee Investments can provide that for you. I have contacts where they can help you out. Uh, what I'm trying to do though with, um, with Dundee Investments is scale it so that once we get you out of the financial situation, we can then get you into other things. Uh, that are going to help you to get to that next step of um, getting into like another property where you can have a house where um, we'll give you financing. We'll do home inspections. We'll do, we'll have our own real estate team. We'll go and do, um, there's another thing I was thinking about doing. Uh, can't think of it right now, but just a lot of different things that are resources for the property owner that they would need. 
where instead of going to like five or six different um, specialists, it would all be under done deal investments where you just go to the next thing or the next thing, next thing. And all the resources are right there for you to use. Now, um, right now I'm working on home inspections, getting licensed in home inspections for done deal investments. And then uh, once uh, I'm, I'm estimating about in four months, I should be licensed. I, I still got to do a couple of things where um, I got to look at the requirements. I probably have to go through uh, different codes for Florida or for the Broward County area, um, Florida, probably in general. I got to do a couple different things. I got to take like a course online. So I got to do a couple things. So I'm estimating in about four months, I should be able to be licensed. I just got to still do a little bit of um, like research on what we would need exactly and uh, you know X, Y, and Z to get licensed with, uh, with home inspections. From there, uh, I, what I'm trying to do right now is create a pre-service list, what I call a pre-service list, where if you want a home inspection in like the next four to six months uh, for free, we're going to do it for a limited time only where we're going to do um, free home inspections. And all we're going to request is that you either give us a review on Facebook or Google my business. And from there, um, then we're going to start charging after, after a certain, after a certain point of helping like a certain amount of people. But I'm going to go through what I call a pre-service list where if you reach out to me and tell me that you can wait four to six months before you can get, you know, before you need a home inspection, or if you just want to wait and just get one for free and help out done deal investments in the process as well. Um, you just reach out to me in any form, whether it's uh, text, phone call, uh, done deal investments, to the website, uh, email through the social media outlets, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, just reach out and just say like, uh, put your name, put your contact information and just say like, Hey, I'm really interested in getting a free home inspection. And I'll put you on a, a pre-service list where once we get licensed and certified in the next four to six months, I'll contact you directly and tell you like, Hey, like we're licensed. We have everything ready. Uh, um, what, when can we set up a time and appointment to, to come over to your house and do a free home inspection? So just make sure that you reach out to me. Um, if you want a free home inspection and, and then just give us a review, uh, that's going to be probably in like the next four to six months. So um, right now I'm just doing like a pre, what I call a pre-service list where I'll reach out to you once we get licensed. And we'll do that as like a first come first serve basis where like if uh, John is before Linda, then we'll do John first. Um, what I'll try to do is like if I have a lot of people, I'll just I'll probably just try to clear as many people off the list as I possibly can. And whoever wants the free home inspection, like I'll probably just do like I'll probably try to get to everyone on the list. Like I'm probably not going to cut it off at a certain point. I'm just going to probably go through everyone on the list that wants the free home inspection that'll support us and give us the review and you'll get a free home inspection. Now, uh, real quick, the reason you'd want a home inspection, by the way, is uh, there's three reasons. One would be you're trying to find um, a property and before you buy the property, before you buy that investment, you're, you probably want to make sure it's a secured investment where you're not going to buy the property. And then all of a sudden all these things break on the house and it costs you thousands upon thousands of dollars to fix these items that you couldn't see. Cause you didn't know, um, the home that well, you didn't know, like you don't know anything about water heaters. You don't know anything about roofs or you don't know anything about AC units. Uh, anything that's like a big home, um, uh, a big cost to the, the, the property owner. Um, that's where done deal investments would help you out with that home inspection where it would, we'd go through everything, a full report where, okay, this AC unit's about six years old. Uh, you probably have this amount of life still in it. 
this, you know, this is kind of wrong with it right now. Like you might want to look out and get this fixed. Uh, the second reason you'd want a home inspection is if you're trying to sell your house, um, you don't want to just waste and blindly spend money on the property and start wasting all this money on the property. You want to invest in things that really matter in the home. Uh, so you get more, uh, more bang for your buck in the sense where, uh, if you have to replace, you know, your water heater is 30 years uh, old and that's going to cause you not to get that much money uh, when you go to sell your house. Uh, that's when the home inspection would be like, hey, like you got to replace this water heater. It's kind of outdated. Uh, it's probably going to stop working in the next couple of months or like within the next year. Um, and you know exactly where to invest your money into the property rather than blindly just spending money into different resources for the house or different appliances into the house. Um, the third one would also be um, I don't know the third one because I had three. That was the first one. Uh, it was the one I gave you was the second one. The third one would be if, uh, oh, it, let's say you have a warranty company, right? Um, and I see this all the time. I work for a warranty company right now. Let's say you have like home insurance or you have, which everyone has. I think you actually have to get home insurance if you have a mortgage. Um, but uh, if you have a warranty company for appliances or anything that, <clears throat> is not considered like uh like home insurance is more for structural damage like if a if a house i mean not a house if a tree fell on your house it'd be more towards home insurance because it's damaged to the structure of the property but if um if if one of your appliances just gave like i was talking about the water heater that'd be more of like home warranty like warranty would be for appliances so um let's say because I, I see this all the time where uh, they go to re uh, request reimbursement on a water heater and um, our company will be like uh, the service provider went out and said it was pre con pre pre con yeah, I can't think of the I can't say the word uh, pre existing conditions. There you go. Uh, where when they and they bought the home and they didn't know that. And in the inspection, the inspection would say uh, that it was not pre existing that it just, you know, it was fine when they checked it and got the home when they got the home inspection. That's where like a home inspection, it comes into a great deal of uh, saving you money because if, if a warranty company, like let's say a, a water heater is pretty expensive. Let's say it's like five grand for a water heater and your insurance or a uh, warranty company is going to, is going to pay either like five grand or like four grand to replace that water heater. But then they go, Oh, we're sorry. Like it's 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 labeled as pre-existing condition by the service provider. We can't we can't work on that. You can then give uh, send them the inspection report and be like, hey, like it's not pre-existing. Check this out. When I bought the house, this is what it said from the inspector. And then you can prove like that's proof that like it wasn't pre-existing, and then you'll save money that way. Um, that's kind. Of, it's probably doesn't happen. Actually, it probably does happen a lot. To be honest with you, because I see it a lot with our warranty company, where like a service provider will declare it, declare it uh, pre-existing, and then they have to fight it. And the only thing they can do is give them a home inspection report, and then they get reimbursed. So um, I'm giving you the home inspection report for free. So I mean, there's plenty of ways you can really use a home inspection um, and save yourself a lot of lot of trouble, money problems. Um, and I'm, I'm going to give it to you for free just for a, uh, review. So if, if you're really interested in a free home inspection, just reach out to Dundee investments, LLC in some way, shape or form, and we'll put you on the pre-existing service list or not. No, sorry. I mean, pre-existing, uh, a pre-service list. So, all right. So that, that's basically everything. This is, uh, this has been, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dundee investments where the deal is already done.
And this has been episode 79 of Goals and Updates. I appreciate anyone that's uh, viewed and watched. And have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you Wednesday around 7 p.m. for episode 80. Peace.